there. Welcome to Radio Topistan, our dinner table. To the radio that interconnects visionary people and bold ideas from around the world. Again, it's been a while. Yeah, we were busy working behind the scenes, fighting bureaucracy, finding partners and figuring out a workflow. Radio Topistan is now an official organization. Hooray! We have a website and a bank account. What else do you need these days to start a revolution? You, of course. So, thank you for listening. Great that you're here. Thanks for sharing our episodes with friends and family. So far, Radio Topistan has listeners in about 50 countries. Thank you. India, for example. Hi. Guatemala, Palestine, Japan, Ukraine, and even one person in Luxembourg. So, welcome, welcome, Mr. or Mrs. Luxembourg. Very happy you're here. Even happier if you can share Radio Topistan with anybody who is working on their very own utopias. Small ones or big ones. I guess everybody could use some utopia these days, hmm? Hopeful stories and useful strategies to envision a brighter future. That's our aim, nothing less. Radio Topistan is a podcast and a community. We believe in constructive storytelling in the more just future. If you want to know more about us, visit Radio Topistan on Patreon, Facebook, Instagram or our new website. And of course, ask us anything or praise us, as Maitane Sarate did on Patreon recently. Quote. Hi, thank you for the amazing podcast. I really love that you address social conflicts through stories featured by women. I know my contribution isn't much, but that's what I can help with for now. Smiley. Maitane, so happy you're here. Thank you so much. And of course, your contribution helps a lot. So far, we're all working for free and the expenses are paid by us. And if you want, on Patreon, you can support us financially, like Maitane. But also sharing the episodes with your friends, colleagues and family helps us a lot. So thanks for being here. I hope you will also enjoy this episode. We talk about Nazis, no-Nazis, and ways we can fight extremism and racism effectively. The setting is Germany, with its unique and very horrible history of Nazis. Still, the core patterns of right-wing extremism are quite similar all around the world. So if you are wondering what you could do about racism and extremism in... India, the US, South Africa, or at your family and work parties. I'm sure you'll find something useful in this episode. Wunsiedel in Upper Franconia, a small town with a big problem, a Nazi problem. Today we talk about how humans can change the way T-shirts can change, how right-wing extremists found themselves walking on a charity march against racism. Germany's most involuntary walkathon. The idea that every meter the neo-Nazis march, 10 euros, go to an exit program aimed at undermining precisely these neo-Nazis. Exit Deutschland. The further they march, the more money is collected. In other words, with every step they take, the neo-Nazis campaign against neo-Nazis. And what it was like to grow up as a POC in Bavaria, southern Germany. 
We have collected so much material, stories, science and strategies that we decided to make two parts out of it. Part one is about the stories and part two is about science and strategies. So, first, three stories from three men this time. A Nazi whisperer, an ex-Nazi and a Nazi target. In the early years, so I'm, I'm from Brandenburg, and quite after the fall of the wall, there was a rising of right-wing extremism. So it was very visible. So we see, or I see, these kind of people on the streets, and they getting more attention. And we had a lot of violent um, actions from these people against political enemies or other people they don't like on the streets. And I didn't find a way to to. I thought it was bad at that point. I, thought, I have to do something, but I didn't find a way to, to do something. So, yeah, in my school days, there was no way to, to handle that or to address that problem for me. This is Fabian Wichmann. Shaved hair, blue eyes. Brandenburg, where he's from, is a federal state in eastern Germany, former DDR. When the wall fell in 1989, Fabian was still in school. He says Nazis, neo-Nazis started controlling the building, bullying people. Regulating the ways into the school. So if there was a break um, and everybody was outside and you want to go in because you have to go to the toilet or whatever, these neo-Nazis are there on the door and say, okay, no, you're not. Because, um, yeah, if there was a neo-Nazi and you're looking like an alternative guy, it was quite hard. They addressed me because I'm looking a little bit different. I had never... Um, violent actions against me, but um, aggressions and comments and discussions. Yeah. At one point later, as I studied science of education, I got more interested about the topic and I read the book of um, Ingo Hasselbach, a co-founder of Exit. In my youth, I couldn't understand why people are believing in such a system, why they prefer such a system. I didn't get it because it's such a narrow-minded ideology it's such a uh, pressure and such a strange ideology for me and that point and I, I don't understand it and I thought okay but there's also no way to yeah just to ban them or to protest against it yeah sure but it doesn't work um, for me also not because I'm not the guy who's standing there with a banner on the street and shouting out so that's not my way of doing interventions against such groups and I think exit and the idea of helping people who want to change and to spread the idea of change that was for me a point to say okay okay that's an interesting way that's a different way and I want to support this idea of a of a mental change based on, on voluntariness so and empower this motivation and um, empower this doubts. I think that was the first maybe in my past I wouldn't say it in that way but now if I look back I would say okay that maybe is something like a uh, motivation to, to do it in that way yeah and I think at some point this idea and this project is now a part of, of me Exit the organization Fabian is working for now helps people get out of extremist circles and mindsets. The organization mostly works with right-wing extremism, but in recent years they also started to address radical Islamism. 
Exit claims more than 800 people have left extremist circles with their help. They also had some ideas about how to inspire change that went viral around the world. People in Sweden and the US are copying them. For example, Fabian and his team, they invented a t-shirt that they sold at radical rock festivals. After washing the t-shirt, it said, What this t-shirt can do, you can do too. Call exit. They also organized a charity march where for every kilometer the extremists marched in their demonstrations, they donated money to the bank account of Exit or a refugee organization. We'll talk about this in more detail in part two. There Fabian will also tell us how to talk to people who are about to get into extremist circles or who are already in it. This episode is about how personal stories impact long-term strategies. Fabian, for example, just started a new task with the Radicalization Awareness Network that was installed by the EU Commission. So Fabian's question of what can we do about those people brought him from his schoolyard in Brandenburg to creating change at EU level now. We had met already some two years before, while I was working on a radicalism research project. And the day before our conversation in a Berlin park this summer, he invited me to come along to an exhibition Exit was involved with. The exhibition displayed photos of ex-Nazis who had removed their tattoos with fascist motives and engraved other motives on top, like a second skin, or like peeling off your old skin. An emblematic act of gaining a new identity Because it can take years until the tattoos, the old Nazi tattoos, are really gone. Fabian introduced me to one of the participants. He's 20-something and had been with the right-wing extremist movement for more than 10 years. He's been out for some two years, he says. He didn't want his name or voice to be public. So I asked a very special actor and writer to read quotes from the interview and also gave him the audio of the interview recording. He was so kind and bold to say yes to this not-so-easy task, especially for him. En tulu fulu kulu mulu. This is an artist name, of course, but it's a result of many racist insults. He is the son of a guest-working cleaning lady and a guest-working taxi driver and grew up in Bavaria. So you hear now the words of an ex-Nazi spoken by a tulu fulu kulu mulu. At the end, you will also hear his real words and thoughts on these words now. I was a Nazi. I didn't kill anybody or set fire to a refugee camp. But I was a Nazi. I was active in different groups and structures, made connections with hardcore Nazi groups, with the Populist Party, life of an activist. Demonstrations, propaganda, concerts, election campaigns, total Nazi lifestyle. I regret every minute and every euro I put into this, into demonstrations, memberships and fundraising. With all of this, I contributed to the rise of right-wing extremism in Germany and the world. But I can't turn back the time. And I know I am lucky that I didn't do anything that is indeed unforgivable. I got in touch with it in a very typical way. You read about it all the time. It's the music. 
I remember that in 2007 I listened to my first radical right-wing music. I felt adventurous and bold to sing along or to have them as your ringtone on your mobile phone. Forbidden fruits taste the sweetest. Oh, you were the coolest kid in the schoolyard. The bravest one. Look, have you already listened to this one? That's hard stuff. A friend of mine, he had the really radical stuff. Then I met other people, went to concerts. It's easy. Social media. You can find those people easily and groups from the radical right-right-wing extremists. Today, I also ask myself how I could get myself involved in this. You know this prejudice. Broken home, no loving parents, single child. But that was not true for me. I had a beautiful childhood. How did I get there? It was a search for identity. I didn't have any. Some find it within a subculture. Me, unfortunately, I found it within the wrong music. And later, I was so stuck in my worldview, I would have rejected everything and everyone. I would have rejected my own mother and said, You are no longer my mother. You are standing in my way. Because I was so involved in this case. I told my girlfriend at that time, you know there is, I love you more than anything. And I said, I do not love you more than anything. Germany is above everything. I love Germany above everything. And that's something I regret because maybe that hurt her. At that time I would have rejected everything and everyone. Nobody would have brought me away from this path. Five years ago, 2015, no, no way. I was still going to demonstrations then. Where does the hatred come from? I don't know. Ignorance, I guess. The music incites hatred. It tells you, you are something special. And all the others are bad and stupid. But soon you will feel bad as well because there are so many refugees coming. Do something about it. Later, after the rise of right-wing extremist parties and the populist party, I asked myself, where is that hatred against people coming from? There is no reason. Which of my problems is actually related to refugees? Not one. If your employer exploits you or you can't find a job for a while, this has nothing to do with refugees. They are just in a fucked up situation as well. An even more fucked up situation, of course. I mean, they have no home. I do have a family, a home. I am fine. So, why do I need all this hatred in my head? All the time. It's ignorance. They are different. We are better. I mean, there are still people denying the Holocaust, the Shoah. How did I get there? It was the biggest mistake of my life. The biggest mistake of my life. In those days, I would never thought that I would be sitting here today giving an interview about my exit. 
or that I would go into an Arab restaurant, enjoy Arab food, talk to the Arab guy behind the counter. I even went to Egypt on a business trip. Of course, I would never have done that before. There are all the evil Muslims who want to destroy us. I will not leave my fatherland. Tja, I enjoyed it so much there. To get to know another culture? Man, back in my Nazi days, there were always situations where there was a bit of doubt. Like violence within the family or against friends, drugs, eating döner. Oh my God, eating döner. Turkish street food or McDonald's. What is this? I thought. What are you doing? You are not living what you are preaching. Especially when they were being violent against each other. Being drunk and getting aggressive. That's when I thought, is that still me? Do I want to be that person? Should this be my life? Then your world view starts to crack. And on top of this, you experience key moments. For example, there was this good old friend from school, from before my Nazi time. He has a different nationality. He had arguments when I became a Nazi. Years later, I bumped into him and we really got along well. Then I thought, why is he so kind to me? I actually don't want him in Germany. But why do I have more in common with him than with my so-called comrades? And not just different nationalities, also with homosexuals. I met some at parties and they are just humans. But I had this homophobic worldview because everything that was not typically man or typically woman was, of course, the enemy to the nation. And then I realized those people are totally okay. So I was, it's wrong to be against each other because we are all one. We are all humans. We all have red blood. I really managed to change my way of thinking because I really had doubts before I left the scene. It wasn't all of a sudden. It was a process. There are no nationalities for me anymore. For me, a human is a human. If somebody asks me about my nationality, I say, I'm a human. I really broke with my old world view. With this prejudice that gay men rape kids and refugees rob you, grandma. That's bullshit. Today I would call myself an open-minded person that broke with all this. Now I try to take countermeasures as best I can. To support human rights organizations who help refugees. To give donations. I tell myself, I do have this mission For years and years I was an asshole, so now I try to help people. Because, sure, this is the responsibility I think I have right now. To warn people, to tell them this is the wrong way. We are all earthlings, Erdenbürger. We have to help each other with national socialism, racism and anti-Semitism. The world will not become a better place. And if we do not help each other, we will go down. Because we only have this world. And it would be wrong 
to subjugate or enslave each other. My utopia, that all people help each other, that there is no exclusion, that one sees the things we all have in common. We are all human beings, and in the end, everybody just wants to live a beautiful and happy life. Every human wants this. Everybody will get along with each other. This is my little utopia, my little big utopia. Listen to yourself, guys. Listen to your heart. Don't fall for Nazi propaganda. Help your neighbor. It's the little things. Carry groceries home for your old neighbor. Stuff like that. Also, think of people that are not as well off as you are. People that are really fighting for their lives. On a tiny boat in the Mediterranean, for example. It's wrong to condemn people for that. Everybody has the right to lead a beautiful and secure life. It's wrong to condemn people. I hope you will never be in a situation where you see how fucked up it is to be a refugee. Excluding people is the wrong way. I am sure about that. Ich brauche kurz. Ja. Oh, das ist so anstrengend. Uh, how is it to read this text? It's hard. Why? Because I don't believe him. You know, he's talking so easy about all the stuff. Ja, jetzt auf Englisch gelesen. Ich würde ihm wirklich gerne dann auf, als türkischer Mann auf Deutsch sagen, dass, glaube ich, genau so nicht einfach ist, das rauszukriegen, wie es äh, reinkommt. Ich wünsche ihm alles gut, aber ich glaube ihm irgendwie nicht. Yeah, my utopia is to sit in a flat in St. Pauli as a Turkish man and read the text of an ex-Nazi. Yeah, this is like, this is Picasso. This is Kubismus abstract. Like what happened right now is mirror of the world. You know, everything is so mixed. Everything, everything is so global. It's, it's funny that I'm sitting here and reading this text of, in a language what is not normally not a part of the story. And I think his old people will really not be happy when they heard that his uh, sayings were translated in English. Not cool for the German history. And what comes up within you when you hear his words? And I mean, you were telling me on your on the phone about your history. Do you want to talk about? He sounds easy. You know, my biggest problem how he sounds in the audio. He sounds so fucking easy. We're talking about ideology who killed six million Jude people, who never ended. Who, who is still so much in Germany, in the mentality of the people. Uh, for me, especially as a Turkish man, of course, the NSU happened. Uh, Hanau happened, Halle happened, so much stuff happened in Germany. Uh, Solingen, Mölln, Rostock, Lichtenhagen happened this times. And if you think about all this stuff, and I think about the melody in his voice, You know, he don't got it. He don't got it what, what he did, where he was. I think he don't got it how deep this shit is. If, some, um, if something, the first thing who will be go wrong in his life 
will show him that he's not so clean and strong with this thing like he thinks. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Gott bewahre, of Deutsch, my friend, some negative story with a refugee. I will see him. I will see him if he is still strong like this because this is a deep, deep ideology. Yeah, and he's out just since two years. It's crazy. And then on the other side, I will be fair. You know what I mean? I will be with love in my heart. I don't want to say from the beginning, Pauschal, he's lying. And, and do you want to share your story when you grew up? Yeah, I grew up in Bavaria, in the most, I mean, Augsburg. It's like 250,000 citizens, like a cool, small city. I remember so much, man. Like, there were classes just with Turkish people. I was so young, but I understand this is stupid. This is a wrong, this is a huge mistake, you know, like to bring just Turkish guys together in a class. Their uh, language will be not better. Starting with this, uh, to the football club. You know, like, I don't remember one weekend, I don't heard some stupid sentence. You know, like, Scheiß Türken, Grutze kann nacken, müssen die nicht gleich beten. Like, the most primitive, stupid shit. And then I lived later two years in a really small Bavarian uh, village. This was like, this was crazy. Just German people, uh, really old thinking. Uh, my mother had for uh, three months, maybe, because she was interested, she want to try it. Uh, I don't know it in English. Kopftuch? A headscarf. Headscarf. She had a headscarf, and then we was in a um, shopping mall, and from, from behind an old, white, German, Bavarian man came and tried to took the headscarf off of her. And like uh, my brother and me, we had to be involved and to be like try to to save her. Um, I remember. I think like after 2006, it changed. You know, after the World Cup, in which Germany tried to show the world a really beautiful face, like everything changed more. I think. You know, like the people became a stupid uh, new right to be proud about Germany, you know, like stupid shit, no reflecting the first war, no reflecting the second war, like so much is still the same and they talking about, okay, now we're done. I felt in 2006 I was 18, 17, and I felt there is happening something. I remember when Germany, I think they lost in the semifinals against Italy, Yeah, Italy won the World Cup. And I remember, like, uh, until this, so much German flags, so much German people with uh, color it in Germany and screaming some, some normal stuff and also some stupid stuff. I saw so much right hands in the air mm -hmm. in these times because it's funny. Mm -hmm. For the people, it's funny. And my story is, like, soft. You know, my, no one shot me, no one burned me, no one killed me. I had luck. I think in Germany, if you don't, if something like this not happening to you, you had a little bit luck. To other people, it happened. I can't take him serious. 
Really, I'm sorry, I try, but I can't take this guy serious. Let's try to be positive, man. I wish him that he will go a really... I think it's a hard way, you know, to reflect yourself. It's a huge way. I don't think that this can be in, uh, in two years. And in the text, there is some place, you remember, he's talking about why he get out from this. Yeah. And how he's talking, it's interesting. You know, it was not enough heart. It was not authentic enough. It was not real enough for me. But if it was, you will stay longer in it. Yeah, when he's saying that uh, his comrades didn't uh, do what they preached. Right, right, right yeah. Does it hurt you to read this text? Yeah, it hurts me because life is so easy for some people. You know, they don't understand that life is so much deeper and harder than he thinks. Like, tell, let me tell it again. In his voice, there's so much, I'm not sure if it's the right word in English, uh, self-security. Yeah. So confidence. Confidence. Yeah. He's so much confident. Mm. This is, I'm wondering, like, two years, man, you're telling, there happened so much crazy stuff. Nazi propaganda, demonstrations, stuff against refugees, uh, camps, blah, blah, blah. And you say after two years, It's done. I thought about myself, Elizabeth. I said to myself, like, I think one ideology I learned for myself, my mother never told us about nation. You know, my mom, mother never taught us something about religion, never taught us something about skin color. I'm really thankful to her. She said, like, go out and learn the shit for your own. Um, but I, if I think about myself, With 16, I read Mustafa Kemal Atatürk, the grounder of the modern Turkey. And like one thing really important was the respect to women. And I have it since then, 16 years, the whole half-life. And how I can say from tomorrow beginning, I'm done with the ideology. Women are bitches, I will punch them, I will be completely different than I was until today. I don't believe it, you know, like if I, if I was a real Muslim, like practicing it, how I can change from one day to other day? How, how I can start to eat pork, drink alcohol, all the stuff what is not allowed? I don't think so. Can human change like this? Can the human being change like this? In a so short way, time? I'm I'm pretty sure human humans can change. I mean, otherwise it wouldn't make sense to to try put sense into people's They minds, can have right? For sure. But in two years, getting out of a Nazi so close Nazi circles where you've been for ten years, where they tell you what how to treat women, how to treat refugees, how to talk to people. It's a worldview. It's it's how you. It's it's also wires. And I mean. With neuroscience, you know that right. the, that your worldview is also imprinted in your brain. It's right. not just beliefs and ghosts yeah. and things like that that you can just. It's it's in your brain. Yeah. Nice, you see it on the science way, on the psychological yeah. way. Like yeah. it's crazy, really. It's uh -huh. he he sounds so totally sure about it. Maybe you can take this in it. Um, yeah. Maybe like with a question. Mm -hmm. 
he say he did all this stuff because he didn't have a identity. So how I can understand that now he has an identity? Is it so fucking easy to find an identity? I don't think he has one. So there is still this emptiness. And one day he will feel this emptiness again with something. And I think it will be something radical. I don't believe him. I never can trust him. Five years before, he said, 215, he was on huge demonstrations. All the feeling what they're having, all the mentality what is there. How, how you can clean your head like this. It's so hard to think about utopia when you read this. The right now it's so hard to say something. Utopia is, uh, utopia is a place for me where all the people try the hard way in life, not the easy way. You know, you can't find easy answers for really difficult questions. And the people do. I see people like never read a book in his life, but he knows everything. You know, he's done, he's ready, he knows everything. Maybe this is utopia. I, I try to go the hard way. I know nothing and I will learn everything. You know, like, and I'm not interested in stuff you can see from the outside. Man or woman, black or white, which religion, I'm not interested. This is the easy way. Maybe this is a utopia, but this is a real utopia. This will never happen. The human is some animal who needs the easy way. I learned. Laziness. Laziness. Look at this world today. Everything is going more easier. Alexa, turn the lights on. Alexa, bestell mir. I don't know. This is my utopia. Elizabeth, when I was younger, it's normal, you know, like in Augsburg, there is a big group of Turkish people, young people, we know nothing. I had bad thinkings about women in myself. I had bad thinkings about uh, Kurdish people, bad thinkings about Greek people, you know, because just the people give it to you. It's so normal for them. And then when I grow a little bit older, like when I started to read books, if I can give one tip for all people, read fucking books, man. Serious, there is, no, there is no medium who can give us more than books. And then I, I had to also filter myself. You know, I had to take the shit about Kurdish people out, Greek people, Armenian, women. This is stupid. I'm not Turkey. You know, I'm not representing no one. I'm not representing the Islam, not representing the Turkey. Uh, not the man, nothing. I'm representing myself, that's it. And maybe this guy also will find his identity when he's doing like this. It's not easy. And the life is not easy. You know, I, I don't respect him, but I can understand him. Life is not easy. You know, we want to be part of something. Human want to be part. I don't know why. I don't understand it, but it's so important. Want to be part in a football club. You know, like uh, wear the same colors, part in the church, part in a club, part in the school, part in, in, in everything. Not so easy then to find the identity, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're every time in a group, like it's hard to find your own identity. Mm. Who I am when I'm 12 hours 
alone in my room, without internet, without Instagram, just for yourself, some music maybe, a pen, and some paper. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we are community animals. We, when we grow up, we depend on people helping right. us, telling us how the world works, right. and some people never get out of that. So good, you're trying the hard way. Yeah, I will. I will try. Thank you so much, Niall. Do you want anything more to add? Mm. Thanks. I think it's enough, man. I also felt unsure if I can really believe that this fundamental change could happen in such a short amount of time. So this was my first question to Fabian from Exit the day after the photo exhibition. Fabian had spoken to dozens of people like this guy. He's in the business for 15, 20 years now. Yeah, maybe we can already start with what you just mentioned, that people don't really trust him when he's switching the sides, when he's going to the other side. When I was talking to him yesterday, I mean, he's just since two years, he's out of the whole thing, right? And I was asking him if sometimes those old patterns come back, those old mind patterns, those racist things, because it's connected to emotion a lot, no? this ideology, and it's something very automatic that when you see, I don't know, people on the street, or when you hear certain things on the news, is there not sometimes a moment where those things come back to his mind or his heart and he says no never ever again it's just gone and I was a bit uh, astonished because I thought I mean two years is almost nothing and even me or other people where we consider ourselves as open-minded and tolerant and have friends from different cultures and colors within me I sometimes discover racist patterns or does it really never come back I think something like these daily racism, everybody had these prejudices against people. I think they are also there. But I think he tries to describe that these typical racist patterns from these comradeships and these groups are gone. So they're thinking of to find the solution or to erase these people to uh, whatever, to, to kill these people, I don't know. Um, I think these patterns are gone. And I think when they are well reflected, very alert about these ideas and, and, and prejudices, and they are much more sensitive for this type of ideology than other. So we see also people, they are very sensitive about the ideas of right-wing populism because they knew this pattern from her comradeship um, and they see they're quite the same. They are very sensitive on this kind of ideas. So I don't think in that special case everything is gone, every single idea and prejudice is gone. But I think um, there's a more sensitive way of thinking about this and, and reflecting about these ideas. And what helps those people to get rid of those ideas? Or is it, is it even something that you get rid of those ideas? Or do new ideas come into your mind and heart so they just disappear? How is that process working? Because, it, I mean, it's it ideas, it's stories you've been told for years sometimes. How, how do they vanish or how do they disappear? I think it's also to get out of this bubble. So you have this bubble of your comrades, these right-wing groups, um, and they told you or told you the same story every and every day. So they tell you the same solutions every day and everybody believes in the same thing. And there's no 
yeah, no doubt from outside in this bubble. But in this moment, you, you had these doubts in your mind and you've tried to think a different way and to try to, to, yeah, to reflect yourself about these ideas. Then something changed and you see there are more ways to think about one topic. There are more ways to um, not only black and white. And I think that's the moment uh, where people had the chance to reflect and to, to find other ways to think about situations um, in their life, in their town, in their country, and had the chance to think on their own. Not, a, not as a group or not with the narrative of the group and their ideology of the group, more as a person with the freedom of a person. And that's the moment you don't delay these narratives, these old stories. They are also there, um, but you find new ways to, to think about it, to cover it um, and to, yeah, to find solution for problems in your society or problems in your world. So I think that's the, the point. They don't lose it or they don't... It is there every time. So also years later, if you leave the right-wing scene or a different scene... You leave these groups, um, these ideas and narratives are there, but you handle them in a different way and you are more sensitive and, and yeah, look at a different way on it. So, what do you think? Do you believe it's possible to change a mindset in such a drastic way? Maybe you even have examples within your own social circles. Maybe within yourself? It doesn't have to be about political extremism. But something else, maybe becoming a vegan or stopping people-pleasing or the way you see men and women? Tell us, we're very curious. In part two of this episode, Fabian will share with us some hands-on strategies for dealing with political extremism on a personal and on a structural level. So I hope you tune in again. Thank you for listening that far already. Come back to us with notes and ideas. We are always happy to hear from you. In part two, Fabian will also answer some of the questions you sent us earlier this year on the topic. Lastly, we are also always happy if you share our episodes. So send it to your friends and family, to everybody who might need some utopia. Share it on Facebook or Instagram, WhatsApp, whatever. Link Radio Topistan in your stories. Help to spread bold ideas and encourage visionary people. If you want to support Radio Topistan, you can do that on Patreon. There you can also find some additional content and insights from behind the scenes. Thank you on behalf of all the team. Everybody will be linked in the show notes. Some names here. Proofreading this time. Wonderful, wise, witty and language-loving solitude companions. Helen Kim and Gavin Steingo, producer as always, Anushka Eckert, music and sound, Robert Pilgrim, illustration, Christine Arnas. Thank you and see you in part two. We'll put it out within the next few days. Good moment to subscribe to Radio Topistan, I guess, so you don't miss it. Bye bye and see you then.